Hello, I'm Jim Middleton, and welcome to Flying by the Seat of My Paints. This is the Entrepreneur Podcast, designed for the artists who, like many of us, want to translate their passion to paycheck. The tips and tricks myself and upcoming guests have learned along the way are what we want to share to get you one step closer with topics like how to promote, how to price, how to show your art, and how to become a better artist yourself. For this, our 14th episode, we're going to be talking about something I believe a lot of artists are unsure about, elevating your artwork and all parts of your art business. Before we dive into our weekly topic, as usual, I'm going to start with what's flying this week, which details my own personal art journey. If you aren't interested in this section, just stick around. Uh, you might want to jump into the main episode. Check the description of the podcast. I'll list the time where you can jump right to the interview uh, with my guest, and it's a good one, so make sure you stick around. Uh, if you want to find out what's going on in my world, here we go. So I've been using this section for uh, a free-form talk about what's on my mind. I, you know, I, I give it a little structure. So my natural tendency, and I think it comes from my sales days, is being positive with others uh, and maybe less so with myself. Uh, one of the best ways that, you know, in the sales environment, we used to deliver, uh, you know, like a review to a person would be talking about the good things things we need to work on and you close with with uh, good things. It's almost like a, an informational crap sandwich. So I kind of try to do that with myself so I make sure I don't forget the good things that are going on uh, as well as what I need to focus on, what I need to improve. So we start with our first slice of bread, cool things this week. Um, I was featured in the online version of the magazine Maritime Edit. They call the digital online version the edition. It was a really nice surprise for me. It's episode 30. If you want to look up at the Maritime Edit on Instagram, you can find their links or search for the Maritime Edit um, online. You'll find their website, and you can have the uh, digital edition uh, emailed to you every two weeks when it comes out. Uh, I was in episode, uh, sorry, digital edition 30. Uh, you can also, they have a uh, IRL version that comes out uh, quarterly with each season. So I would definitely check that out. Uh, I want to specifically thank both um, Jennifer Wood and Morgan Leet, who were so kind to ask me to take part. Um, and it was a really great article. It was very flattering. I really appreciated them taking the time for the piece. It was a great experience, and it allowed me to uh, be exposed to a wider audience who might not have known anything about my work. So that was really cool. Uh, I've had an influx of uh, inquiries for commissions over the last couple of weeks, which is really nice. Um, and I'm working on my first ever oil painting commission, which is exciting to dive into. I have a, a show that's coming up in September. I don't want to go too deep into it yet. Suffice to say that it will be all with oil. And uh, I have a, a new broad section of materials here now available for me, which is which is great as well. So... Crap in the middle. I mean, there's an obvious thing. This podcast hasn't been up for a while, so we need to make sure that's a part of it. Um, to give a good analogy for me, I'm a messy cook in the kitchen. Uh, I approach my art and business very much in the same kind of way. Um, I'm always, you know, to use the title of this podcast, flying by the seat of my pains. I, I may cross the finish line with a decent time and look okay, but it's absolutely havoc behind me. <laughs> I miss tons of things, you know, that I want to do or I want to apply for. I'm easily distracted if I, you know, and if it wasn't for the fact that I have built into my weekly routine forced times to create. I mean, I enjoy creating. It's just, 
The forced part is getting off my ass and coming down to the studio, right? That's it. Once I'm down here, I'm good to go. But when I am upstairs and the TV's there and kids are chat talking and there's, there's just lots of stuff to pull your mind in other directions and getting away from it all coming downstairs kind of is a forced uh, time to create. And I, I would not be as prolific as I am. I wouldn't have the number of pieces that I've created in the short period of time that I have if I didn't have blocked out times to create. Uh, and I need that same kind of forced framework in place for other sides of my art business, not just the creation side, because that's, I love the creation side. I can be very analytical, you know, as well, but it's not as fun, you know what I mean, as creating, but I need to get a forced structure in place for that stuff so other things don't suffer. Um, you know, it's just to do this podcast, uh, it's several hours of work. Uh, deciding on a topic, especially if I have a guest that I, I want a topic that kind of makes sense based on where they are and what they've done in their career that it kind of makes sense for us to talk about. Um, I have to kind of map out the structure as to what that's going to look like. Um, and I want to make sure that it's going to be, you know, interesting for the listener in the end and something that will be of value. So that takes, you know, several hours of time uh, just to put that together. And, you know, just like having a block out time for my artwork, I need to do the same thing with the, you know, the, the, for lack of a better term, the bookkeeping side of my art business where I still need to come down to my studio. I have to sit at the table at the back of my studio with just me and my laptop, maybe even try to put like those little blockers that don't let you go to like YouTube or anything else to distract you and your laptop, just focus on what you want to work on. And get it done. Um, you know, even tonight when I sat down to work on this, I futzed around for like 30 minutes looking up stuff that had nothing to do with what I wanted to work on. So getting that little hamster, you know, from skittering all over the cage and on the wheel doing what I want him to do, um, that's just me and my brain. You, the, the big thing here, guys, is make sure you're being introspective. Recognize the things that are pulling you away from the things you need to do and find your ways to build structure around it. Um, I did have a technical barrier that um, has kept me from doing some podcasts. My old phone just couldn't handle it. I couldn't do time. I had, if you've noticed, I hadn't had time lapses up for a while. I hadn't had the pods up. So I just didn't have a phone that was doing the job. So I've upgraded. Um, this is the first one with the new phone. Fingers crossed. Hope everything's going to go well. Um, but I don't have that as an excuse anymore. <laughs> Uh, so moving forward, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, so the second slice, uh, my favorite things of the week, some cool things coming up. So um, after a forever amount of time, it feels like trying to wrap my head around it, I finally have a small collection of my artwork up on Shopify. So people can purchase directly from my webpage or my social media sites. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a solo show. There's other big things coming in September that, you know, I'll tease now. I'll talk about more later. But it's important that I have... Anything that I have available now to buy should be online if somebody wants to buy it. Uh, anytime you go to my website, you should be able to tell if that piece is sold out or if it's available. And maybe I need to have those sections separated uh, and, and put up some collections. You know, as I'm doing grouped artworks, uh, sometimes people want things from specific se uh, sets like my uh, Goodbye and Thanks for All the Fish, which very nicely, um, uh, shout out to Smiley Seahorse Ceramics, has been hosting um, 
some of those pieces because they are very marine and nautical themed in with her pottery. Uh, and she had a, she sold a piece of mine today, which was very kind of her to have that set up. So very thankful for that. Um, and I think that, you know, making sure that I have all that website sites up and running, I've at least got it started. I at least know how to do it. Now it's just, again, the analytical side of getting all those individual pieces of art labeled, numbered, priced, weighed, sorted, and all on the page. So, again, that's another thing that I need to block out time to sit down here and get done. And we're going to get it done. Okay, guys. Um, Thanks for listening. You know, those who've uh, skipped ahead, we're going to be ready for our topic of the day, and we're going to talk to Katrina Slade. So, guys, I'm about to bring Katrina on the podcast. Just before I do, I wanted to give you a little update on Katrina. You can uh, find out more information uh, with her on katrinaslade.com. She is a third-generation visual artist working in a variety of mediums. you know, feeding her lifelong passion for creativity. Her work's often inspired by a personal response to her environment, uh, typically emphasizing uplifting and positive messages. Uh, she works primarily in acrylic painting, sometimes sculptural and, and uh, installation work. I met uh, Katrina here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, she's originally from Oregon. And she's uh, had the opportunity to do a lot of world travel, uh, which has been really instrumental in her artistic growth. Uh, She's actually involved in a project I have coming up in September. It was very nice of her to uh, agree to take part, and I was very happy to have her uh, agree to join the pod today. So without any further delay, let's talk to Katrina. Hello, Katrina. Hi, Jim. How you doing? I'm good. How are good. you? I'm very well, thank you. Just, uh, you know, I may or may not have been over on my TikTok, which I'm just trying to get some of my art stuff over there, and I might or may not have been having a little bit of fun with uh, a, a tragically hip duet that the guitarist put up there. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am so impressed that you're on TikTok because I just can't. I can't. <laughs> so well, I'm always impressed when other people are doing that. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of of other platforms out there that are interesting that and that are some are really just kind of starting to take off too. That um, I'm trying to get myself exposed more and more to. And TikTok was something that I stayed away from for a long, long time. And I can see for somebody like me who's super easily distracted that it's uh, it could totally be a time sink because it. Mm-hmm. Even more than YouTube or anything else that give or even Instagram. I mean, it's these short little 15 second hit videos, comedy, or really of whatever you want, right? That you can yeah. just, it's like the old television when you used to flip through the channels, right? It's yeah. that kind of vibe, right? So, but it's a big platform. I put um, like some time lapse videos and I put up some stuff for, um, I don't know if you saw the painting I did recently. Um, it was a space one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it was uh, a, ca- a commission with a woman. Yeah, she yeah. had uh, she had like um, a helmet uh, when she was four wheeling, and she's like, "Could you put me in space?" And then no restrictions, like do whatever you want to do, which is so freeing, right? Whenever you're, that's pretty cool, can make whatever you want, right? So that was one of the first things I put up, and it got like more viewership than an Instagram I've been curating for two and a half years. So that's great. 
Yeah, it's a different audience. Uh, I don't know what necessarily will grow out of it. It's it's funny because I tried just looking for people I knew in Fredericton, and I didn't find many. Like, I know it's a giant <laughs> platform, but, like, it's not as – I think I'm obviously going to be connecting with different people. On it. So it's, Yeah, that's it's good, though. Do, right? Yeah, it's something. It's, it's definite. And I – let me know. I've got. I'm try. I have to try to make a point of holding the mic away from my beard because I'll get. These, I'll listen to the recording later, and it'll have like these little scratching sounds in the background. Oh, I don't wanna, is I don't that your drive beard? Cr- That's my beard. The mic's hanging down, right? And That's it's funny. It just. Touch- it, I guess it's sensitive. It just touches my beard, and it makes a little scratching sound. Yeah. But sorry. So we just kind of jumped right in because I've already uh, done a little intro. Told people about your work. Uh, I went through some of your bio off your website. Um, I think you're a great person to kind of talk about the subject that we're that we're focusing on tonight um because i think you're already a good example of somebody who's elevated their work um somebody that is kind of well no it's it's that means a lot to me that you think that (laughs) no i do i do um i i from the time that i first met you which i think is it's got to be maybe a little over a year now if that makes sense Probably two. Well, because COVID is like yeah. a void. Yeah, so COVID, a year before like a COVID. Sink. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think it was at one yeah. of the uh, under one hundred shows. Yeah. And uh, that we get a chance to talk for the first yeah. time. And um, you've just always been very open and you know very earnest in what you're doing and and you know how you're trying to develop your work. And it was nice, kind of getting a little recap, some things that I didn't know. Uh, just flipping through some on your website. And I think, you know, when I talk about Elevate for anybody that's listening and isn't sure quite what I'm talking about, I mean that you've gotten the basics down. You figured out the basic principles. Hey, I like to create. This is what I like to create a lot. Mm-hmm. I've kind of figured out how to price it, how to get my work in front of prospective buyers. Maybe you've, like Katrina and I have done, you've, you've been to group shows or a solo show. And the next question is, how do you elevate and take your art and your art business to the next level um like for you do you ever look at your work from years past and then compare it to your latest work um yeah yeah I do and so I have a few pieces that I really like from the past and of course like a few pieces many pieces that I don't like um but you were saying that I just want to go back to what you were saying you, you mentioned that I I've like figured out some things and I think some of that's true and some of it's not as true. Um, I think I do have a clear voice in my work. Yes. And like a perspective and like sort of a style, although I'm always kind of working on that, but I, I do think I have that. So thank you for saying that. No, it's true. But I don't think I figured out a lot of the other stuff. Like I, I, I do a lot of, um, I, I'm trying to be a lifelong learner and I'm trying to learn more about being an entrepreneur and being a creative entrepreneur. And, um, I'm still learning a lot about, um, getting my work in front of an audience and all that stuff. So And I think, I think for a lot of us, um, that's one of the things that makes me feel like you're already in a beginning to elevate phase that you recognize that because I think a lot of, I think a lot of us starting out, uh, especially before we even make the leap, right. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, and everybody's different. I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I had, um, 
you know, one perspective in my head about where I was with my artwork. And it kind of relates back to some, I I think I can remember where it was that I first heard it. They talked about being um, unconsciously, uh, unconsciously incompetent. (laughs) <laughs> then like you don't know that you're incompetent right you, you're not yeah. aware that you're not you know and then you're conscious that you're then you're consciously incompetent oh my That's gosh I realize what I don't know where I'm at <laughs> right and then you start becoming unconsciously competent which oh. I would actually argue maybe you're at and, and a lot of us kind of beat ourselves up a little more than we should until you finally get to the fourth oh. stage of consciously competent I right? love that um, yeah, that it's kind of the first being unconsciously incompetent is almost where I always, I, I've referenced it several times, being an arrogant 15-year-old artist kid in my mind mm-hmm. that was regularly pointed out in every art class that I was in for some of the best work by the teachers. You know, I heard the phrase talented thrown around all the time. It totally inflated my ego. And um, I, I had a very narrow worldview of art. Right? Yeah. I, I really looked at um, realism and the old masters were the only thing that I got for art. Like who the hell is Jackson Pollock? What the hell does that mean? Like, um, and I just never really looked at the life and progression of these artists. Like a great example is Picasso, right? Like if you go back and look at what Picasso was painting when he was 15, I know he was painting like a realism master, right? Like that was his whole thing. Like, and it just didn't excite him. I mean, he became one of the most prolific artists of all time with like over 30,000 different pieces of artwork and ceramics and sketches and just create, 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 which is so inspiring. Like to even think that, like I look at my body of maybe seven, 800 pieces of work and I'm like, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to hit <laughs> those kind of heights, but just to try to keep making stuff well, all the time, right? Yeah. But, um, but it's it's gotten me to the point that, you know, I, I, I do believe that I'm, pa- I'm, you know, somewhere in between the consciously incompetent <laughs> and unconsciously competent. I think that right. some things I do pretty well. I think I recognize there's a lot that I need to learn how to do. Um, but yeah. I think just, just being honest and saying, you know, you're never going to learn everything, right? Yeah. But and- the willingness to try to get better. Yeah. And I do have that a lot in abundance but I do think I among most artists struggle with like self-doubt and self-critique like too tough of a critique and um, so but saying that um, I do think I've grown a lot since I began Um, I've only been full-time artist for three years Mm -hmm. Um, the first year I don't really count because I was immigrating and I had some legal, um, like I wasn't legally allowed to work in Canada. So that really, that really stifled like what I was allowed to do. But um, I was creating work at that time. But well, to go back to your question about previous work, um, I, yeah, I, I became, well, I went to art school. I graduated in 2010 with a BFA. So which I is a, awesome. That's Bachelor of Fine Arts for people who don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. It was really awesome. I've, I'm really privileged that I was able to do that, and I'm really grateful. Um, although I did have a very narrow view of the art world also because um, my professor, I had like one art professor for the last two years of university. Okay. <laughs> and um, 
and one art history professor and they just happen to be a married couple so and like very very narrow view of um what the art world was like and um but that's kind of that that was great for me to have that training and then you know since 2010 I've like been on my own and done a lot of learning so um when I look at my work back then I can see the beginning of my voice starting right um I was really drawn to organic shapes I was really drawn to patterns and mixed media techniques and I'm still doing that stuff today but um, hopefully when in a better I'm, way. Well, when I met you, you were really kind of going through kind of a monochromatic phase. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Um, that was just, uh, I knew it was a short period because mm-hmm. I had been creating work that was very colorful and I, I am still now creating work that's very colorful. And that was my challenge to myself. And also ah. it was, um, it was just a body of work I made, but it, you know, it took me like eight months to make it. Um, and it was, it was black and white because I wanted to use the absence of color as a conceptual statement about, um, I had moved around a lot and I didn't really have a home anymore. And I felt kind of sad about that. And I was sort of like grieving in a way, like right. my, a loss of my home and also my family has been like really separated for a long time just by distance. And um, I was feeling a little bit of grief about that too. So that was just a conceptual choice. But I think that's one of the amazing things about artists, you know, that we can take those things we're feeling and put it into work. And that's also a way that I would suggest you have elevated yourself is because Mm -hmm. you actually had the thought process you could create a series, something that I just, tried recently in a smaller way but i think that's a good example of something that artists need to do to Mm. really kind of create you know um kind of experiential blocks of work for people to kind of go through and kind of get because for me and and i don't want to talk a lot about me i want to talk about a lot of your stuff but the big thing for me is um I've been for a long time all over the place with a little bit of everything. But as I'm slowly kind of moving forward, I find that I'm creating some uh, series, you know, some blocks of work, things that I Mm -hmm. want to do, ideas that I have a kind of overall vision for, um, some personal pieces that Mm -hmm. are related to stories or things that have personal meaning for me, Mm -hmm. and then planning kind of how I go forward um and I you know I take inspirations from from artists like you and there's other and it's I do feel like it's a very vibrant artist community here in in Fredericton I think that's something that helps you elevate like compare this to you're from Oregon originally is that where you went to school yes I went to the University of Oregon so um, which city in, in Oregon were you, was that, is, I don't even know if that's close to, I feel so narrow-minded. Um, well, there, there's, I lived in Portland for a while. I went okay. to one, one year of schooling. I went my freshman year, sorry, I know that's an American term. My first year of university, I went to. No, I understand was... freshman and stuff. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. But that's good to explain for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, I went to Portland State University, and Portland is, like, the big city. And right. at that point, I was coming from a small town, so I was, like, really overwhelmed. 
and the school the art program there was like it felt really competitive and really impersonal right. like oh, like okay. i didn't i didn't know people in my classes I, the professors like didn't know your name and stuff and um so i transferred to a smaller school um and it, there was a smaller campus in in the mountains in Oregon in in a place called Bend. Okay, that's that's the town I lived in. It's like a little mountain town, and it had a little tiny campus of the university, and you know the the big universities in um, Corvallis and Eugene. It actually had two universities like blended into one tiny campus that was like a satellite campus, but. That's why I say I had one professor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely get it. And believe it or not, I actually know that area of Bend for a weird reason. Really? I do because there's a video game company that's based out of there. They named oh. their studio Bend Studio and their latest game they set in the mountains. Oh, and they I actually had no idea. use <laughs> they actually use like um what is it Wizard Lake? There's like a crater lake there that's uh Yeah that they actually, or Wizard Island, that's a Wizard crazy, Island. Like, yeah, yeah, they actually have these locations in that's the game. Cool. So I, in a weird way, I know some of the geography in the region up around there, which is stunning because of a day, a game called Days Gone that they, uh, that's this, so cool. this studio called Bend built that around that. So that's really cool. That's, that's a beautiful environment to it's be taking totally your classes. It's totally beautiful. Yeah. It, it, like there's mountains everywhere. And um, my husband, he used to, you know, before I met him, he used to work in like Canmore Banff area. And so I feel like, like we've talked about those times of our life. And I think it's very similar, um, like the landscape and the, the culture and the lifestyle and stuff is very similar. And everything that kind of leads us on our path. So our time in those places, those all kind of go towards what we're creating, right? Let's all kind of I mean, we're all self-referential creatures, right? So things that we've kind of experienced ourselves, those things kind of come into our work in different ways. Oh, totally. And mine, my work is all about my inner world. Because <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm an abstract artist. I hardly ever do representational work because, you know, I just don't enjoy it. it it's yes. more, it's more about the technique and and for me, I like to get lost in the work and it's hard for me to do that when it's representational. So I just like to be spontaneous and it's sort of like a, a mindfulness practice for me to just go with, in the flow of my work. Um, and well, there's and, clearly emotion attached to it because that yeah. comes across to the viewer when they see your work, Katrina. I mean, it's something that it's one of the reasons so. why. I've, no, no, it's it's I know that we're always kind of hard on ourselves and self-doubt and all that stuff but it's something that's clear when you see your work and it's not just Thank knowing you. the artist is seeing the work so I think that when you because we talked about you kind of looked at your work in the past and, and kind mm -hmm. of how you move forward what do you take out of that review process whenever you go back and look at former works and kind of put it against what you're working on now um I I guess I don't really realize I'm doing it, but I think I evaluate right. it like what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses of the mm -hmm. work. And as a former art teacher, I can say you should really just say areas for improvement <laughs> right. and weaknesses because weaknesses right. is kind of a right. loaded word with like shame involved and 
we don't need that. No, so. and, and we're hard. It's I have actually, I don't know if I've told you about this analogy. I, you know that I've started doing classes lately. Yeah. And one of the things that I did with my students, and I, I've, I've, I've used this analogy before. I haven't talked about it on the pod, so I'm happy to share it. But um, I'm doing portrait classes, something a lot of artists are scared of. Right? A they're, lot of people are intimidated by that. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I try to tell them is I'm going to give you a process. It's just like I said, what I'm giving you is a recipe. Right. So artists are funny creatures. We have a vision in our head of what something's going to look like. We're super jacked to get started on it. We get a little ways into it and it's starting not to look like we want it to. So we're already starting to beat ourselves up, but we try to keep pushing Mm -hmm. forward and maybe halfway through, it's not at all what we wanted. And maybe we don't even finish, you know, and we're totally tearing ourselves apart and I suck and I'm horrible. Now I said, now let's look at this from a different point of view. What if that instead of a piece of artwork was a blueberry muffin recipe? that somebody gave you Mm -hmm. and said, here's the recipe. If the muffins didn't come out exactly the way you envisioned them in your mind, would you think you were a horrible person? Or would you think (laughs) maybe that's not the right recipe for me? Yeah. Or like, oh, maybe I just did something wrong, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't like internalize it as your identity is like, I suck. (laughs) And that's what I tell people in my portrait class is this is Jim's blueberry muffin recipe. Or it's funny, Layla took it the second time. She called it banana bread. But one of my my (laughs) students who took it twice. But the idea being, this is just my banana or this is just my blueberry muffin (laughs) recipe. See, I'm changing it already. Or banana bread, whatever you want to be. But it might work well for you. I hope that it does. I hope it turns out and I hope you like it. But if it's not exactly what you want, that's okay. Cause there's a million ways to get from A to B. I'm going to show you the way I do it, which is kind of a weird way. I don't even teach. Like I teach the way I learned, which was watching time lapses of a YouTube video of another painter who I liked their work. Mm-hmm. Little did I know he was an oil painter. Oh. And, and I paint acrylics like an oil painter. So that's why I do an underpainting. That's why I have everything in burnt yeah. umber. It's why I use all the primaries. I was following an owner, an oil painting kind of classic procedure for building a painting with like fat on lean and all that without yeah. even realizing it. I didn't know that that's what that's he was funny. doing. <laughs> but because I've had people say, like, why are you doing an underpainting? I said, well, for me, even though it's an acrylic, it lets me keep my proportions and it lets me adjust all my values with no color yeah. involved, right? Yeah. Where's my darkest darks, my lightest lights? I can just think about that. And I kind of look at it as a foundation, like you're building a house, right? You've got a nice solid foundation to build yeah. everything on. So that's, yeah. you know, it works for me. But like I said, it's just my recipe. So, um, you know. I love that. Me, I love that um, metaphor, though. That you the, yeah, I think that it works well. And I think more artists should consider it. That whenever yeah. they're trying a new project, be it watercolors, be it uh, clay, be it anything you want to try. Because I think you should try it. Like, if you're creatives, you should get out there and try stuff. Like, do the things you love, but always block a little bit of time to be a kid and play with stuff and figure things out yeah. and see what you like. And don't beat yourself up about it. Exactly. Like, I used to think of myself as a painter. And then somehow in 2020 I turned into like I did public art and I did like installation and I was doing sculpture and I don't really know how it just started happening and I think it's because I had time I had like the downtime during quarantine to um I wasn't like actively exploring new things but they just sort of came to me and um 
yeah so it like when you explore you never know maybe you're you're gonna explore and then you're like oh I don't really like that but sometimes you find like a new spark that ignites your interest and then you grow as an artist and it's like good for your career absolutely and it's one of the things that I think is a reflection of any true artist is that you don't let your inspiration be hindered by the medium you might already be using. If your inspiration takes you down another path with a different medium and you get excited by it and you want to create like your, your weathergram installations are stunning. Like, I mean, it's, they're very moving. And even though it's a completely different format, you're using text and messages it has the same kind of level of emotion that you find in your abstract paintings. And it's very much you, Katrina. And that's what, you know, inspires people with your work. So, yeah, thank you. No, it's not, you know, it's, it's very true. Those are the things that, you know, I think are part of the process of of elevation for artists, like taking yourself to another level is allowing yourself to explore. Like, so where, we've talked about some of the places that you've been before, what kind of things, you know, where do you draw your inspiration now and how do you apply it from your work kind of in a regular Mm -hmm. thing or, or can it be a variety of things all the time? Oh, it's totally different variety of things. And also like, I would say different domains too. Like I, I used to live overseas. I lived in Japan. Oh, so cool. I want to see Japan. So cool. So beautiful. It's stunning. Like the country, I just love it so much. I think maybe in a past life I was Japanese because <laughs> it really speaks to me. The aesthetic of like the traditional art and craft from that, from their uh-huh. culture. And then, you know, after that, I moved to Korea and it, I really didn't vibe with that. Wow. So I, I really don't know why, but it's like yeah. some things really speak to you. So that that's like in my past. Um, and, you know, currently I still feel really inspired by Japanese stuff. Actually, I'm just going to put in an order for um, like special Japanese papers because I use them in my mixed media work. Oh, nice. But you know what? I really get inspired by nature, you know, spending time in nature. I just find it so beautiful. I've always been drawn to natural, like organic shapes and patterns. And um, I, I have a mindfulness practice and just like being able to be in touch with myself is really valuable to me. Like if I don't have time to meditate, I get really grumpy. Right. Yeah. And then I kind of get away from myself. Like my focus gets on so many other things and then I don't feel creative at all. So I really have to make sure I give myself the time. Like I have to block off my time to make sure I have that. Um, I talked about that a little bit in my intro. That's something that um, I I do a little thing where I talk about um, kind of what's been going on in my world. And I, I, I'm trying to force myself not to, well on negative and I was in sales for years and and a coach and a manager for lots of people and they always joke that one of the ways that you can deliver news is kind of like in a crap sandwich so yeah. you put the, the good stuff first yeah. the stuff you got to work on in the middle and then the good stuff at the end so right. I did the same kind of thing and my crap in the middle is still 
you know, um, I'm so easily distracted. There's so much other things around me, to kids, and dog, and and the market, which I'm, you know, always working with as well. And I know you're doing uh, a million things, and it's really impressive. Well, I I don't feel like it's impressive. I feel like I waste too many hours a day. In fact, I'm I want to oh. try my. Uh, I, I know it sounds crazy. I, I'm glad that on the outside it looks like it's just nonstop, you know, right, you know, everything to the wall. But um, it looks. I ha- pretty great from the outside that you're doing that you're doing so much like and you're so good for the community too it's not just for yourself oh my goodness that's so kind that's very nice of you to say I mean I think that I do believe that you know all of especially after the last year and the pandemic everybody deserves the opportunity to make a living doing what they love and if Mm -hmm. I, I I don't propose that I know everything um, but there are a lot of things that I can help with. And if I can give people suggestions and point them in a direction to help them get a little bit better, get a little closer to what they're doing. I mean, it's one of the reasons why all of us at the market that volunteer and run that thing, it's all about giving people a place to sell their work, right? Just having a place that they can go to every yeah. week and get exposed to hundreds of people, you know, walking yeah. through a market and a chance to see their stuff. So, um, and the podcast, that's what this is for. This is, you know, I, I have artists, I love how everybody's so different. Everybody, everybody is very different that I know in the mm-hmm. artist community. Uh, we have our um, super kind of withdrawn, typical introverted, shy artists who don't want to talk to really anybody, even when it's their work. They might stand near oh. it, but they don't even really talk about it. And they have beautiful work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've got one of my best friends and mentors fits right into that category very well. Then you have people who really go for it. Like better than, like for me, I love seeing the people that chase down grants and, you know, residencies and things from call for artists, like all that stuff I need to be doing all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, and it like, takes so much time. Oh, it is. All like, of that. It, and you don't, it, you can't really sh- have anything to show for it unless you're successful, but you're not successful right. 100% of the time. So <laughs> no, no, like it's, you're, uh, it's a lot of time spent. It's on that all stuff. the fishing rods thrown out into the, lake and only one or two ever catch anything right so it's a lot it's balancing that out and for me recognizing that you know I've got some things coming up in a few months that I've got a lot of work to get there but I also need to be ready like I just literally set up Shopify here in the last week or so with the help of uh, Olivia that's a a big deal it was a a lot of work it was a lot of work but I have to thank Olivia Steves from uh, Sister Sun Jewelry she came over for an afternoon with her laptop and my laptop and she has her jewelry all set up and she walked me through the process and I still That's only so nice. have, Oh, it was awesome. It was very kind of her to do that. I have maybe a dozen things on there, but I've already sold one thing. And now like literally wow. I painted a painting live Friday night. I put it on my Shopify. I sold it Saturday, right? Like that I actually wow. have. And it's, it's really cool that, you know, you can actually, it sets it all up with shipping and everything. So if somebody, if it, like part of it is they have free shipping if they want to pick up here. Uh, but also if somebody anywhere in the world, they've already got the weight. They know that it's coming out of New Brunswick. They have my postal code. They give them a shipping amount. Like it's all instant. Like send a box, away it goes. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's all the work that how many paintings do I have that I could potentially sell and pieces of artwork. Like I've got <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. And I've only got a dozen on there and every single one of them is a product. 
right? All my prints, all my magnets, all that stuff. So I know, and it takes so much time to like make sure right. the photograph is nice and then <laughs> yes. measure it and then yes. enter it all. And yeah, it's there's so much that goes into being an artist than just creating. Uh, it's mind blowing to me sometimes how much time I spend on that stuff. And and that's something that I think that for for anybody that wants to elevate their work, you have to block out some time for that. And that's what I talked about in my yes. intro is that I one thing that I am good at is I block out time to create. I have live paintings that I do at the market. I have t- studio time blocked out that no matter what, I'm down in the studio painting or I'm at the market, I'm painting live. So I'm always creating at least a few new pieces of work, be it commissions or things for myself, weekly. That's nonstop. What I'm not doing is blocking out time for all the, you know, clerical stuff. You know, all the things like... Oh, that's non-fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, like you and I were talking about connection art. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. I realized that I thought it was part of Archlink New Brunswick, and it's not. So (laughs) if I want to belong to that, then I have to actually sign up for that and... It's you know, super or, easy, though. Oh, and I'm sure it is, but it's just another one of those things another that I need thing. to get done, right? Yeah. So, so I think that you know, for any artists that are listening out there, make sure that you're blocking out time for those things too. So, I want to talk about if you were going to, I, I just want to kind of share with people kind of how somebody who's been doing it for a while and who, whether you see it or not, I see as uh, somebody who's elevated themselves. Um, What are, you know, can you give me at least three important things? Let's say you were going to approach a new piece of artwork today. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of tell me some of the things that, how you would approach it that might be different than back when you were in school, if you were going to do a piece of artwork? Yeah, I, I'm actually about to do that now. So this is good timing because I'm, um, I just finished, I'm I'm trying to finish up a phase of my installation work. And I've been working on that for like months and months and actually like a practically a year. So I'm going to like close that chapter soon and just put that on pause. And then I really want to get back to this other project I've been doing, but I seem to only do it in the summers because that's just the timing of it. Right. So I'm going to get back to it and I need to make new work. And it's mixed media, painting, collage, that type of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's completely different from my installation work. And I can't wait because I've been dying to get back to it. So (laughs) I've been thinking about how am I going to approach this? Because it's been been since last summer since I worked on it. And I really, I really think it's, you just have to follow, like, what do, do you want to make? What? does your soul desire I feel like at a soul level I need to make this work and it's just like calling to me and I haven't had time to do it so I keep like putting it off and putting it off and now I'm actually decided like I need to just give myself time to do that um so ask yourself like what makes my soul happy what would make me happy to do because you want to do work that you're excited about and that will give you more inspiration and more creativity and more energy into the work. Um, I also try to challenge myself in some way. So I don't want to do the same artwork like 20 times. Um, well, if they're, if you're doing a series, of course, you're going to do similar techniques, but mm-hmm. the techniques I'm doing now are similar to what I was doing in art school. So I, I'm always like, trying to elevate that you know trying to improve and try new things so I'm always experimenting 
Um, so I guess ask yourself what's what would be a challenge to you, not just the same, right. same old, same old, like for three years in a row, you know. And do you ever have, and I'm, I'm guessing that you do, but I want to, I love hearing other people's experience. Do you ever have somebody come to you and there's a piece of work that was fairly popular and it's sold and they're like, could you do that for me again? Um, no, because a lot of times I just want to buy a print, <laughs> the print of the work. But I actually have had people be like, this is a painting I like from some other artist. Will oh. you paint it for me? And I'm oh. like, no, no, that no. is so bad. I can't believe yeah. people actually think that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So have integrity. That's another thing right. you should right. do. I think, and I think I don't want to, I don't want to beat up any of the young artists out there because I know a lot of us start that way. Like I, I did stuff from like Marvel comics and uh, I did, um, oh, that's you know, a great artwork. way to practice. Oh yeah. I did, you know, early on people asking me to do this or would you, repaint that like really early on stuff and for anybody younger listening out there that's how you learn it's okay the masters copied other people like i mean a lot of people did that as you're learning but what you don't want to do is just crib other people's work you know to make profit for yourself yeah. it's a great learning tool but to kind of build on top it of what katrina said you really need to develop your own work and your own style um now that doesn't mean that you can't look at two or three different artists and then kind of create like a vision board of something else in your mind to create something new oh totally i do like that all the time yeah yeah that's and a you great know what way. i do want to mention about like copying someone's work I do that every now and then as an exercise because it's like I really love this painting by this artist right. and I don't know why, like what, how did they make it? So I'll right. copy it but not like on a on a paper, like not on a crappy thing that's not – I'm not going to sell it or – Right, that's even, a study. Or even that's post it. Yeah, that's totally. a study for yourself. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, so I do think that's a great exercise because you're – it's helping you figure out what do I want to make? I want to make something like that because that speaks to me and I need to practice it. Um, but I, yeah, of course would never copy someone else's work um, and like yeah. sell it. <laughs> exactly. And I've had people like in the past when I first started painting, maybe in, and again, I haven't been painting that long that I would have somebody bring me to your point, a painting and say, well, could you paint this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I have in the past starting out when I, you know, just started painting, done that. And that's not something I do anymore. Like I appreciate that it was a kind of a learning thing for me back then. And I yeah. was, I was charging ridiculously low cheap rates. Um, <laughs> well, that's also a learning experience, right? Oh, yeah. it's, yeah. it's like you start out with, with that. And I guess at that level, you're at like the beginning. And I guess if I compare myself to that, I do think I'm elevated a little bit more. But um, you, that's just the natural evolution. You have to start yeah. somewhere. And it's something that we're talking about the unconsciously competent and, you know, unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent. Yeah. You know, um, I, it has only been recently that I've actually even recognized that maybe I had a style, that maybe I had a voice with my pieces. Um, because I've really? had people tell me that they knew that it was a Jim Middleton piece when they saw it. Yeah, I can you know tell. I, but it, 
again, for me, I didn't necessarily know that there was anything about my work that might make it stand out. But you know isn't that I mean? interesting? Because I remember talking to you a while ago, you know, before COVID at the arts, the Charlotte Street Arts Center, and you were talking about a new series you were going to try doing or start about tattoos. Mm-hmm. And you talked about Norman Rock, Norman Rockwell, you yes. mentioned as your yeah. like role model. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, that's another thing I can add to the list of like, if you're starting new work, you should seek your artist role models and yeah. see what they do. And if your style is like theirs, that's good because they inspire you. But right. you like for you anyway, I when you said Norman Rockwell, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally <laughs> like your style. You have He's a style similar moments. to that. He's yeah. capturing moments, right? That was Norman Rockwell's whole thing. And something I, I have started to incorporate in some of my pieces, but I still like the little piece I did this weekend was literally just freehand, right? To direct to the canvas. But Norman Rockwell is somebody that it's so funny because when I was a kid, tracing was evil. Like you don't trace anything. Right, like you draw. Did that your teacher was a, teach you that? Oh yes, oh yes. Wow. Oh yes, strict. you don't you don't trace anything. I had a pretty good teacher, but I had that in my head. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't. I never took university level um, art. Um, I don't have a degree. I'm very much self taught, except for I do love my teacher Alice Whitney, who tried to get me to see a little bit more about the feelings and things and impressionistic work and mm-hmm. the strength and abstract work. Um, but I was just so glued and, and single tunnel visioned on, on realism. But it's so interesting. And I tell my students now, because when we take a portrait class, I actually image transfer the starting picture for them, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is intro to portraits. I'm teaching you to paint a portrait. I'm not teaching you to draw. Right? Yeah, that would be like a whole semester of like exactly. proportions. <laughs> exactly. It would be a yeah. whole thing. But yeah. for intro to portraits, I actually, we use uh, copy paper. Like you can go to Staples and get like the, tr- you know, regular eight by 10 transfer sheet, mm-hmm. you know, that you might use to, I don't know, scrape a copy of a leaf or, you know, whatever that you can actually literally trace over a picture and get the image on your canvas. But Norman Rockwell was one of the first people to start using projectors widely. Um um, oh, so yeah, now, of, oh, that's interesting. He used to take photos of his his daughters in a lot of his paintings. He took a lot of photos from people, and he would old school Photoshop basically take these yeah. photos, develop the pictures, cut them, and merge them together that to make so the scenes he wanted, and then project it on his canvas, right yeah. to to make these slice of life moments. That again, he still had this vision in his head right, of what he wanted to put on the canvas. And he had to put that scene together and make it and then project it. Oh, um, yeah. And there's nothing less valuable about that no. artistic process, right? It's no. just his process. It's That's his how process. he did it. It's same as Vermeer, um, uh, the girl with the pearl earring, like one of the greatest Dutch realism painters. They, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary Tim's Vermeer fantastic documentary it's about a guy who is obsessed with vermeer because (laughs) in vermeer's paintings um there are light objects that only show up in photography and this was from a there are in his paintings there are effects that happen with the light that you only see when you take a photograph and this was like a hundred years before cameras were invented so so this engineer who 
couldn't paint at all, who was obsessed with how Vermeer created these works, figured out that he's 90% sure and kind of showed that he did. Vermeer used a camera obscura. Do you know what I mean? Like a box with a pinhole Mm -hmm. and a mirror. And with those two things, he could literally lay his canvas down into the mirror and trace the image. Because this oh, man, this man who is that's an engineer. That's a bit of genius. Exactly. This man who is an engineer and couldn't paint created his own Vermeer. It took him nine months to paint it. <laughs> but he set up the rooms with all the materials. And he took his painting to a Vermeer expert when he was done. And he said, this is incredible that you made this. He said, I would believe this was a Vermeer. Wow. So, yeah, that and even Da Vinci, one of my favorite of all time, uh, used to trace on a glass uh, piece of glass. He would put the yes. model in the room, trace their outline with glass and then let the sun project the image onto the canvas. So yeah. th- there are all kinds of image techniques. You can certainly and absolutely he could draw. But there are whether you use an image transfer, which I do for a lot of commissions because it's faster rather than spending you know, an hour or two drawing and mapping it out and getting yeah. my proportions all locked in. I can just get the lines in there and get right to painting. But if it's something for myself, personally, I like to build it from the ground up drawing and, mm-hmm. and kind of creating my shape. And that's my tips for, for elevating for anybody that's listening out there. I think that it's important, and we talked about this at the top, always keep learning, right? Wherever oh, you yeah. feel that you're lacking, block out some time each week. Either watch some YouTube videos, read some books, listen to some podcasts like this one, um, whatever you'd like, <laughs> but put something into practice. So you're learning something new, trying some new techniques. If you like to draw uh, people, like I'm, I love doing figure drawing and faces, um, you can d- look up uh, Andrew Loomis. So that's like he did uh, fun with a pencil. He did uh, Loomis heads where he talked about proportions for uh how you can build any head out of basic shapes, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've got your proportions locked in, that's going to help you move forward or or whatever it might be. Maybe it's color theory, right? Maybe it's composition, right? And there's some great books out there on that, that, you know, um, you know, I find for me having, you know, when I plan my work, so I have composition i've got color theory i do little one by maybe one inch by one inch square or two inch square thumbnail sketches and Mm -hmm. i'm like does this is this composition gonna work when it's that small like sometimes even if i look at i'll do a rough sketch digitally but then i'll take it down to the small mode on my phone you know when Mm -hmm. you can see the window of all the pictures and does it work that small because if it works from that far away then maybe i've got something that's gonna look good on canvas i did that with my um with my uh, last walk to the wheat fields picture, that mm-hmm. was, I had this image in my head of a gunslinger, right? That's what I kind of wanted for that painting. And that came down to building out composition before, like really tiny, before I even thought about taking it to a rough draft or taking it to the canvas. Um, and I, we also talked about locally, like I think, you know, making sure you have other artists around you, like talking to you is really inspiring for me. And I think that having other artists that you can no, it is don't 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 huff that <laughs> I just made off. made a face, but you can't Ms. see. Miss <laughs> Katrina, I could hear that face. Don't don't huff yourself down. Um, really, and we do that a lot. We all do that. Um, you know, having other people around you, having a vibrant yeah. community of other artists to talk art to. You know, how do you yeah. get from A to B? You know that 
that all makes a difference. It does. And just, just having like creative energy around you, you know, mm. like, yeah, speaking to artists, I am always listening to podcasts and I love, um, like creative pep talk and there's a new one by one of my favorite artists, Lisa Congdon. Okay. Um, so just like finding people who inspire you. There's a lot of art podcasts that don't inspire me because like the vibe of the person just isn't aligned right. with what I'm looking for. But just find like what makes you energized. Yes. And yeah. And even things that aren't about art, like I'm really into mindfulness and I'm getting kind of into spiritual stuff lately and that stuff really energizes me and makes me feel so curious and I think that translates into my studio because I'm like excited about a topic you know or right and or a lot of my work is sort of inspired by mindfulness and um you know being in the present moment like in nature and that type of thing so it do you ever have like a journal or like uh, the notes notepad section on your phone that something will just strike you at a weird time and you got to write it down Oh, yeah. A lot of times I send myself emails, like, right when I'm drifting <laughs> off to sleep. Yes. I, you know, that's when, like, ideas come to me all the time. That's the and... best window. And if you – and you think you're going to – you think you're going to remember it and you oh, won't. Oh, you know. No. If you so don't, always, write it down. It's gone. I always send myself an email. So in the morning I check my email and it's there. Because <laughs> if I just put it in a note on my phone, I might not remember right. to right. check that's... that. It's probably a better idea. I should probably send myself emails. Hey, Jim, well, or just... a messenger. I actually have two Facebook accounts, one that used to be for a work for a long time ago, but it's still there. I never post anything on it, never do anything with it. But what I use it for is to message things to myself. Like I message, I message myself stuff like um, if I see a really cool image or an idea. Like for me, it's it's stories. Like that's what – that's what kind of inspires pieces for me. Like yeah. the Van Gogh uh, painting came from me reading his life story, right? That painting came and it was so nice. Somebody was in the market this weekend and he looked up at my painting. He said, is this painting got something to do with Van Gogh? I said, actually, yes. I said, that's my tribute to him. That's my yeah. last walk to the wheat fields. And it's not impressionistic. It is not his style. I mean, well, there are some impressionistic elements in it, but I didn't crib Van Gogh's style at all because yeah. I, I didn't want to do that, right? But I uh, like I threw in some bubbly clouds because clouds look like bubbles to me, right? So that's why, <laughs> you know, that was my impressionistic little thing. And I think yeah. there's one little homage in the entire piece that the cypress tree is kind of styled like he did some of his cypress trees. But it was it's it was just very um interesting to me that just the figure in the wheat field is mm -hmm. what made him realize that it was van gogh so to me the story or like my nightmare painting you know or i haven't done many fantasy pieces but i'm such a nerd katrina i'm such a dork <laughs> like i i love all that dnd &D and fantasy and sci-fi yeah. all that stuff you know lord of the rings and i there's so many pieces or, or Greek mythology that I would yeah. love to do. Like, Ooh, that could be a good one. Like Icarus's story. Like, you know, I would love to do the scene and I'm sure I know other, other painters have tackled it as well, but like Daedalus still being above and Icarus falling from being too close to the sun. Like just, I love all of those Greek that would tragedies. That be really cool. Mm. 
Like I'd love to do. The, that would be a I, great series. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so many great moments in those stories or like Dante's Inferno. Like I love all yeah. those, all the stories out of that. I, there's a, I had an idea and here I am giving away ideas. Anybody goes and does it, then guess they do it. But um, <laughs> you know how they have that kind of, it's an artist plaster that makes big cracks when it dries. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Okay. It's like crackle medium. Yeah, exactly. What I'm thinking about is I would like to have a painting that is viewed flat like a tabletop. And the painting is Lucifer fallen and driven into the ground. And the ground around him is the crackle media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So just that See, kind of that's imagery the kind of that's thing. in my head that has a story. But that's the kind of thing where, like, going back to what we were saying earlier, is just experimenting with a new technique or a new medium, right. a right. completely new medium. Or just how can I do this technique in a new way that would help express my point of view or my, you know, in- artistic intention or whatever. That's right. that sounds really cool, Jim. I think you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the problem. I've got all these ideas and all these things I want to do, but I just, you have to block your time. And it's hard is, to find the time. It's nice that, but give yourself some forced deadlines, folks, people that are listening. Like I have something big that's coming in September. I'm timing a show to release with that. I've already started some photos for it. Thank you again, Katrina, for being part of that. I'm very excited. Oh, uh, I can't to wait start, to see what you do. To start putting those oil paintings together because it's my first ever solo oil painting show. And so, again, has a theme uh, that's all tied together. But, you know, I know that's coming in September. So I've got a hard deadline for that. I yeah. just locked in a booth at the Fredericton Tattoo Expo in uh, May and April, end of April, beginning of May. So that's a great idea. I'm going to be set up with all tattooed theme paintings. Yeah. For that that's event. Great. Well, and, but that gives me a hard deadline that if I'm creating a body of work for that event, I need to have those things done, right? Having prints yeah. and having paintings ready to go. So if you have an event, you, which is why it's nice to kind of throw your hat in the ring for residencies or for, you know, call for artists or shows, whether it be a group show or even just, like this solo show that I want to do. I was talking to a gallery. Timing isn't necessarily going to work out for them. And I totally appreciate that. So I need to start lining up where I'm going to have it. So I need to talk to whether it's a hotel or a bar or something and have this body of work ready to go up in yeah. September. So and you, know, you can give I, yourself those hard I, deadlines. Can I build on that? Yeah. Um, please I, do. I... Sometimes I have hard deadlines, but a lot of times I don't because I'm just like making the work um, because I want to make it. But I want to mention that I have learned over the past few years that it's really important to block out time like in the week. And what I mean by that is I get a lot of invitations to do things or I guess pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. And it's starting to happen again, you know, because things are starting to open up. But people would invite me to go do stuff. Or like some of my friends didn't work during like regular work hours um, or they had a flexible work schedule. And so they'd be like, hey, let's go do this thing, you know, in the middle of the day. And I did that for a while, but then I realized my my painting and my studio work schedule was so out of whack that I just had to start 
like protecting those hours, like the work hours within the day that I should have been working. Um, so I kind of protect them pretty strictly now. That's awesome. Even if it's something I want to do, I'm like, Oh, let's do it on a different day or, you know, on the weekend or whatever, because it's so important to me that I, and and of course I'm not perfect at keeping it up, but it's so important to protect that time. Even if I don't have like a specific meeting scheduled, it's like, well, that is my appointment. My appointment isn't, I'm in my studio working, you know, it's, it's not free time. But that's, that's an important stage of an artist elevating themselves. And I think that's a great example of putting a practice in regularly for the week that you make sure that you're, you're giving time for yourself for that and not letting it interrupt it. I mean, to the point that I'm actually like the, like the show I just talked about that tattoo show, it's on a weekend when I'm always at the market. And it used to be, I would say, Oh, I'm not going to do X because I got the market. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I can get somebody else to watch my table. I can, you know, I can't, I can't keep myself away from other events because of that, right? I need to yeah. keep pushing my artwork forward. And that's a big commitment. Like every single weekend for eternity, you're, you're booked. You've got to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You, you do so have to be selective. But mm-hmm. you, ha- you had to be selective also, right? Like what is worth the time that's taking me away from my booth, right? Right. right. So. Because, because that can be income, right? It depends on the time of year and you don't know who's going to walk through and says, oh, like commissions are still the largest part of my business, right? So yeah, you get a lot of commissions. uh, Well, it's, I've, you know, got to pay my bills and I love, there's a a great, for the art entrepreneur out there, I do recommend checking out Rafi uh, Perez from Florida he has a great YouTube YouTube channel. Rafi was here. I have his uh, book, The Road to Rogue Artist. And his is all about, everything he does is about helping other artists, uh, you know, transition to being full-time. And one of his mantras is do commissions until you can afford to say no to commissions. Right? So right. I, you know, and I'm sure all the greats out there got to a point where they stopped doing commissions or their commissions were ridiculously expensive if you wanted to pay them to do one. Right? Right. And, uh, for all of us that are in these stages of, you know, we're trying to get to this. Next, or like there are people that I love, like might as well, uh, when they do, I love their, their technique. What they do for commissions is they, they do their style artwork, right? So yeah, they have are, a very distinct style. They have a very distinct style and they talk to their client about what kinds of things they'd like to see. They still paint what they want but they do three paintings thinking about those ideas and then they let the client pick that's a great idea because they're still yes creating their own work that's right and as as an artist if anyone's listening who is an artist um you probably know when you get a commission it's great because it's income but it's also restricting on your creativity it is most so, of the time, most of the time, the one that I just did, the space one was very, was a lot of fun because that was very open, wasn't it? She, yeah. She said, other than me with the helmet, do what you want. Just put me in space. Yeah. So it's it like the dream. To, oh, the it's, dream it's wonderful that I got to play with it. Right. Those. And she was so excited with it. She was so pleased with it. And I put in like 
big heavy texture work in the asteroids so you can run your hand over the painting mm-hmm. you know and actually feel all these bumps and craggles i put like a clear coat over it to protect it but i love letting people have texture you know yeah. they always say don't touch the paintings but i like to touch the paintings i like to feel the paint <laughs> you know i do so too I like, I like having that tactile thing for them so yeah it's it's fun when you can include that i've yeah. had so much fun talking to you katrina oh thanks well thanks for inviting me to talk to you on your oh, podcast no i really appreciate it i think that it's very valuable for people i uh who had the time to listen uh i think constantly you know knowing that there's always more to learn exploring more materials trying new things and you know getting to that level of being consciously competent you know that we kind of you know at least even being consciously incompetent knowing that you're not quite there yet you keep getting a little bit better and uh i think you're a great example of one of our elevated artists in the city and Anybody that gets the chance, please make Thank sure you. you check out katrinaslade.com. Are you the same thing at on, on social media? Is it like at Katrina Slade? Yeah. Katrina Slade Art? On Instagram, yeah. I, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. It's katrina.slade, S-L-A-D-E, dot art. And it's the same on Facebook, Katrina Slade Art. Perfect. Everybody and I'm not sure on you... TikTok. <laughs> not yet. We'll get you there. We'll I don't there. know. <laughs> Maybe anything's possible. Who can say? That's um, true. <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Guys, make sure you go check out Katrina's work online. She's a very talented artist. Grab a piece of hers if you can. There's some great stuff there. Um, we will be trying to get this going as a regular thing again. And uh, thank you so much again, Katrina, for taking the time to be on the be on the pod. Thank you, Jim. I really, yeah, it's always fun talking to you. And thanks for all that you do for the art community here. Oh, you're so kind. I, I don't feel like I do a lot, but I really appreciate anybody saying that. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. You take care. Okay. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was a great episode. Um, Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to have a question answered or if you'd like to submit artwork for feedback from myself or any of our guests, you can click the message link in our Anchor podcast main page or send us an email at flyingbytheseatofmypaints at gmail.com or direct message me on Instagram at flyingbytheseatofmypaints. If you think we have some good advice here in the pod, take a moment to subscribe Rate us on your platform of choice will help us get shared around so more people can find us and, hey, maybe recommend this to a fellow artist friend who's thinking about making a leap. Until next time, this is Jim Middleton. Just keep creating.